You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, as always. And today, we have a hunter profile that we're going to be talking about. And his name is Mick Parks. And I must admit, the name Mick Parks sounds pretty badass. Like, hey man, don't mess with Mick Parks. Like, he's going to break your legs. But, come to find out, Mick's, Mick Parks, he's from Michigan, real good guy, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about a property that he's been hunting for 20 years and how he harvested the biggest buck of his life this past year with a recurve bow. So, hopefully you guys enjoy this. It's a pretty cool story. Um, it does, we did have a little bit of, of uh, cell phone reception that uh, I kind of had to fight through so I I just want to apologize for that but for the most part the story is really good and uh, you're able to hear most of it so thank you very much for being patient thanks again for listening and here's Mick Parks from Michigan with the biggest buck of his life on the phone with me now is Mick Parks how's it going today Mick doing good Dan you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, the name Mick Parks almost sounds like you're a bare knuckle, old timey Irish boxer. That that would be awesome if I could say that. But <laughs> I, I wish I had a lick of Irish blood in me. Um, I I went to Ireland, but uh, no, no. It's uh yeah. Uh, my full name is Michael, and uh, as I was as a kid, my my mom and dad nicknamed me Nicky, and obviously about the time I was. 16 or 18, I kind of, the Nikki wore a little thin, you know, so it's yeah. kind of gotten shortened over the years. Hey, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So you shot, you had a pretty good year this year. You shot a pretty decent buck. Yeah, it was, it was a real nice buck for me. Um, in this area of Michigan, um, you know, Michigan turns out good bucks year in and year out, but in my particular area, the trail cams that I run and things, they're, they're just not a dime a dozen for me. So I was pretty happy with this buck. Good. And I'm looking at the pictures now and that's, uh, I would be, even in Iowa here, I'd be happy to take that buck. And uh, you did it with a recurve. But uh, before we get into that, why don't you tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, like how old you are and what you do for a living? Well, okay, so I'm uh, just about 42. Um, I'm a network engineer um, at a university here in Michigan. Um, I've kind of been in IT since I graduated college. Um, kind of, uh, that's pretty much what I do for a day job. But, yeah, I'm always looking at, um, you know, worrying about hunting or uh, fly fishing and out-of-state hunts, those kinds of things, kinds of things that most of us are looking into um, this time of year, looking at maybe um, some western hunts for, for this September. Um, so, yeah, it pretty much drives me 365. Yeah, I think that's uh, a lot of us, uh, me as well, and the listeners as well. Uh, it's on our, on our mind all the time. So 
Yeah. Let's see here. We're going to talk about um, this buck this year, and um, tell me a little bit about where you hunt. So, um, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm really fortunate to be able to hunt on some family property that I've been hunting on, um, you know, since I was six, eight years old, woodchuck hunting with my grandpa on the same property, really. Um, I just, uh, I don't have it. It's not a ton of acreage, um, but, you know, you kind of those, one of those types of pieces of property where you kind of know every square inch of it. Um, and, uh, you know, every year I shoot on this property it is really, really special to me because that kind of uh, heritage that, that I've been fortunate enough to have instilled in me with, um, with my grandpa and my uncles and my dad. Um, so to me, that's really what, that's really what deer hunting and, and any kind of hunting um, is all about. So. Gotcha. So on, on this property uh, that you hunt, I, I take it you share it with other hunters. Um, is there, on this piece, and I've, I've known some other guys to talk about, you know, there are certain groups of guys who are, it's brown, it's down. And then there's certain groups of guys who are, hey, let's try to get a buck to maturity before we shoot it. Is do you guys have goals with this piece of property? Yeah, no, no, we're we're the brown is down kind of guys. Um, you know, I'm fortunate in that uh, archery hunting. Um, I don't I don't have nearly um, as much uh, um, problems as far as other hunters, and that's kind of what I learned as far as the the private tracks that I've had the opportunity to hunt here in Michigan. Is you know you better like the bow hunt because by the time gun season starts November 15th it's it's like a whole new ball game um as far as being able to hunt bucks in the rut and uh and the things that we we all kind of dream about as far as what we think about deer hunting so yeah. um yeah it, it's definitely not managed there's no trophy management going on um you know before I before I killed this buck I missed a perfectly happy to take so that's kind of what my standards are okay okay so let's get into your your year i mean you're it sounds to me like you're a whitetail nut just like the rest of us do you guys do any food plots on this piece of property do you do any uh like uh timber stand improvement any habitat improvement um not really intentionally to to benefit the deer only um you know, this is uh, pretty much, these properties are, are, are farmed for maximum yield uh, corn and soybeans. Um, so it kind of precludes any kind of uh, food plots. Um, there have been both, you know, both of the chunks of property I hunt, they're, you know, they're really close to one another. They've both been logged recently, um, really just kind of for you know, financial reasons as well as kind of good of the of the of the timber. Not really managed um, with with deer hunting being the number one goal. It's definitely that kind of multi-use property. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so roughly how many acres is it? Um, you know, we're talking about uh, you know less than 180 acres okay. of, of, of ground, you know, between the, the different sections that I have uh, available to. Gotcha. All right. So what is your goal? Like in the summertime, uh, what are, what are your, what are you doing in the summertime to prepare for a season? Well, with, um, you know, I, I've been really 
stuck hook, line, and sinker into traditional archery for the past 20 years, probably. Um, and so my one of my main things is working on my shooting all the time. Um, always tweaking my shooting form. I, I have a uh, on my deck. I have a little um, where I can shoot kind of an elevated shot, um, 20 yards or so. And and I'm just I'm I'm always working on that shooting form. Um, I am running trail cams, things like that. But as far as uh, stand selection, things like that, I, I, I do try to do the best I can um, taking those stand locations. Um, you know, it, it, it tends to turn out a lot that it's, uh, you know, the year after year, those those uh, particular funnels, pinch points, bedding areas, those things don't change that much. Yep. So um, it, it's kind of like, you know, some of the things that some of my biggest influences like uh, – you know, like a like a John Eberhart, who I know I've heard you guys uh, talk with before. Um, definitely um, trying to focus in on those uh, thicker areas near the bedding cover. Um, and one of the one of the best things that I kind of always uh, live by is uh, there's a guy uh, Jack Eddy, who was a, a, a deer hunter here in Michigan um, that would kill lots of big bucks every year. And he said it was kind of like a biggest brown trout in the river. He was always going to occupy that best log jam. And that's kind of the way I feel with big bucks in this area. There's only so many of those, like, um, prime bedding situations. And I try to focus on those year after year. Um, Some years it pays off, some years it doesn't. Some some years it does in ways that I don't really expect it to. Um, That's kind of what what I do. It's not a ton of... uh, Really, no food plots, no no baiting, no um, particular improvements other than you know trying to get some trail cam pictures. That's that kind of is what my scouting and my preparation entails as far as whitetails. Okay, what time of year do you start setting out your uh, trail cameras? Well, I have some out there right now, but they're mostly coyote cams right now. <laughs> um, yeah, probably probably September time frame probably. Um, you know, we'll see some bachelor herds um, and things. Uh, I I kind of live within within sight of uh, a lot of the egg fields that I hunt, so um, I don't really need the, the trail cams to know. Uh, I, I I do enough um, just kind of looking out the back window, really, to see what what might be in the area as far as summer activity. Um, but I do like to get the trail cam pictures as much as I can, just mostly for the entertainment of it. Yeah. Not necessarily that that's going to be the place to hang a stand or anything. Okay. All right. So when was the very first picture that you got of this buck? And when you when you pulled the card and you looked at the picture, did you instantly say, that's a shooter? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did get some trail cam pictures of him uh, probably in um, August to September time frame. Um, he was – in uh, a little bit of a clearing that had been recently uh, brush hogged, um, and he he laid right in the middle of that clearing, and I just and I got just tons of pictures of him as, as some subordinate bucks would walk up and kind of like spar with him just a little bit, you know, and and I got some great pictures of him early on, just the the body size of him, I thought, you know, man, that's a great deer, it'd be great if he would walk by, um, so. So yeah, definitely he was on the radar, and that kind of helped to uh, you know to pass on some of those smaller bucks 
that uh, that I would normally just go ahead and punch the tag on um, in previous years. So you end up, did you end up passing a couple deer this year to hopefully get a crack at this guy? Yeah, yeah, some some real smaller ones, some uh, you know four points or or whatnot. Um, you know, like I say, I did take a crack at, at a at a smaller eight point that was nowhere near the class of this deer. So by no means is is this buck representative of the type of deer that I'm I'm normally uh, having encounters with. Gotcha. Good deal. All right. So you got trail camera pictures of him. You knew he was a shooter. What what's your next step? I mean, did you did you go and you start? I mean, what, when's Michigan Michigan's opener? October first. Yep. Okay. Yep. So did you start hunting October first right away? Um, did you fill any doe tags first? Tell me a little bit about about early season. Yeah, um, I definitely was targeting some does early season to get some uh, venison in the freezer. That's number one priority for me all the time. Um, didn't have a whole lot of success with that. Um, I was actually kind of targeting this uh, buck um, really towards the boundary of the property. There's a real brushy creek bed where I'd seen some pretty good sign. I had some some rubs um, that I was really trying to hone in on. Um, and I set up, I, I hunt with a lone wolf uh, climber um, almost exclusively. So I had, I had targeted him in lots of different locations and in like I say, never got a trail cam pick or had a sighting of him um, during daylight hours at all, really. Um, so the, the stand I was ended up hunting um, was kind of a, a tried and true location that's a real good funnel pinch point, kind of has everything you want where a, where a egg field meets a creek bed, meets meets the corner of a bedding area and, uh, and all those elements. Okay. So, you, so you, you've hunted this property for several years, you know, where the, like you said, you know, where the pinch points are, you know, where the funnels are, uh, you know, you know, where you're going. This isn't a trial and error type season for you. This is basically just kind of business as usual, right? Well, you know, it's always trial and error and trying to, to find a bet that better spot. Yep. Um, but yeah, you know, you have the tried and trues where, Hey, it's November 10th, uh, 39 degrees with a northwest wind. Um, this is where I'm going to put my hours in. You know, that the stand that I ended up, that I was hunting this buck on, um, that was where I was at. Yeah, that's where I spend the majority of my time, and I can talk myself into a few different winds to hunt this stand probably more than I really should. Yeah. Okay. So... Over the years on this piece of property, has the deer movement changed at all, or are you, or or are you seeing that they're coming up the same draw or working this same ridge every every year? Or have you noticed maybe different movement during different crop cycles? You know, it, it seems like it, it's different, and it's um, you know it's kind of where you, you know you think you're really smart as far as oh yeah he's he's bedding on this brushy creek bed and, you know, and then at dark, he's going to head this way to feed. And those are the kinds of things that I have in mind with this stand, but it, it, it never seems to work out exactly like I'd hoped. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've, I think I've uh, taken shots at deer from pretty much every direction from this stand. So, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't have my finger on it the way I'd like to. Um, 
as far as that kind of predictability. Okay. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're successful every season, uh, whether it's a doe or a buck and you're, you're filling your tags. So that's success to me. <laughs> well, I've, I've had, uh, some other properties, uh, to hunt on that I don't have today. So, um, you know, you got to kind of keep adapting, you know, like, like yep. you hear all of you guys talk about, um, yep. you know, even in Iowa there, you know, the deer hunters paradise, you know, it sounds like you got to keep adapting every year. Um, and, and that's one of the kind of encouraging things, you know, from listening to the podcast, some of the things that you talk about, about still having to uh, knock on doors and, and do different things to, to get access, you know, it's, um, it's good to see that, uh, that's not just a Michigan problem. <laughs> that's an everybody problem. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. So did you see this buck from your tree stand at all before the day that you ended up shooting him? Or was it first time, you know, first time in a particular stand, you saw him, you shot him? Pretty much first time in the stand. Yeah. He, uh, he just kind of showed up and that was like I say I, I did not have a single daytime trail cam picture of this buck at all he was just kind of a ghost um and so and I, I didn't really even put two and two together when I saw him other than I I saw him coming and I thought wow that's that's a hell of a buck hell of a buck you know yeah um so so what what day of the of the month was it? Cause I'm, I'm looking at your trophy so, pick here and you got corn, the grass is still really green and you, and you got corn still standing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, we had corn weight this year, you know, so that's kind of deceptive, but it was October 22nd, which was a Thursday. Okay. Um, and I was able to get out after work, um, and hunt that night. Um, and I think it was one of those really kind of perfect nights where it was just cool enough. Um, the time you want to kind of be in the woods thinking, you know, the rut could get going any time now. Um, and I was in that, that stand that, uh, that I keep talking about where we don't, where, where everything kind of comes together. Um, and, uh, it was just a a fairly uneventful night. Like, you know, I've had lots of, uh, empty sits at this stand, so it wasn't all that unusual. Um, but about, uh, about seven o'clock he started, uh, coming in coming from the kind of from the northeast along the creek bed where I don't think I've ever had a, a deer come from exactly um and he kind of just yeah I heard him grunt once and I think that's kind of what alerted me to him and I heard the, the leaves rattle just a bit it was a half hour before dark probably you know that kind of time where you start to get dialed in yep um so yeah he 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 started uh and he started coming in, and he was, he was coming right head on. And I'm like, oh, no, I hope he is not going to walk right under me. And then, you know, the other thing was I'm kind of silhouetted at that particular angle. And, and sure enough, he, he looked right at me. I mean, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb at that angle. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of held my water there and stood still. And he kind of stared right through me for a minute and, and then he, he kept on moving. So I was like, all right, that's that's a good thing. How far how and far out he, was he at that point? At that point he was he was close. He was probably fifteen, seventeen yards at that time. Oh, so he came and he came uh, on a line right to you. Yeah, yeah. Well this is this is kind of in this pitch pinch point where 
you know, if he's traveling along the creek, if he's traveling along the edge of the woods, either way, he's he's going to come real close to me. Yep. I mean, this stand is probably only 17 to 20 feet, so I'm not super high. Um, and then he, uh, but he, as he was coming right head on, he, he took a, a, a nice turn and he started going right in the direction that I'd hoped he would. In fact, he, you know, you see that trail cam pick, he walked right in front of a trail cam. Well, I don't think I really had any other bucks on the, that particular camera, but he walked right in front of it. Um, and he was giving me, he was, he was going pretty quick. And so I gave him a quick bleat and I think the trail cam picture, I think he's looking back at me as I bleated at him. So oh, I see that um, pic. That's he, pretty cool. Yeah. He's only, he's only 10 yards from me at that point. Um, so I, you know, I pulled back and, and with the recurve, that's kind of the, the whole art of it really is uh, being able to time your draw because you can't hold it back there for uh, a minute, you know, like you yeah. can a compound. So you, you better know, um, you better know their time to draw because you're only going to get probably one crack at it. Um, so yeah, I, I draw it back and um, took my time with my anchor and, and it made a real nice shot. Um, kind of right where, right where I was aiming, which not one of those things that always happens for me. I've had I've had my adventures with the recurves <laughs> over the years. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, so the impact I saw it, um, it didn't blow right through, which I was kind of puzzled by. I was like, man, I'm in a real good spot. But I think what happened is I had him a little bit uh, more quarter in a way than I than I thought, and I didn't quite back that shot placement up quite enough. And, uh, and I, and I think it bounced it off of the, uh, the off shoulder. Um, but he bowled it out of there. Um, and I was able to see him cross a little creek bed right there, you know, 20 yards from me, probably bowled across there. And then I saw him run across the opposite, opposite creek bank, um, for a little while. And I thought, you know, Hey, that's, that's great. <laughs> he should be a dead buck. Nothing to it. Yeah. So, you... Well, you know, like, like kind of like I, I always try to do, though, I try to give myself uh, some time. Um, this was kind of that situation where, you know, the daylight was pretty much shot. So I kind of took my time climbing down out of the tree, gathering all the gear and putting everything in my pack and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of kind of try to quietly get an idea if I could find some blood or anything. And, and I, I trailed uh, about as far as the creek bank and I didn't really see anything, but, you know, I, in the creek bank, I found my arrow. I'm shooting these um, Easton FMJs, and it broke off all but for the last, uh, the forward maybe six inches. And it was raining in, the, in a little bit of water that's in this creek bed. And I said, oh, man, that is not a great sign. I'd like to see that thing, I'd like to see that thing red. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but still, I, I kind of have in the back of my mind, geez, he's 10 yards, and I saw where that arrow hit. You know, I've, I've hit him in the shoulder. It wasn't it wasn't that far forward, you know, so I kind of tried to keep that confidence up. Um, but I gathered everything and, and drove back to the house, which is only half a mile or so away, and grabbed something to eat and kind of changed my clothes and regrouped, took some time, gave him a little bit of time, and grabbed uh, my drag and rope and flashlights and things like that that I figured I'd need and, and then head back over there. Um, well, I'm going to interrupt so you. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. You bet. Go like, ahead, 
you had just you had just shot the biggest buck of your life. I know that you're kind of a you you know we we use the term if it's brown it's down type of hunter, but you just nailed the biggest buck of your life. What what kind of emotions were running through you? You know, I, I usually at that stage I'm I'm fairly apprehensive still. You know, maybe it's because of the you know the heartbreak that I've gone through on on bad hits or things in the past. Um, I'm not really uh, going nuts with adrenaline at that at that stage usually. So usually I'm pretty level-headed and collected and, and business-like at that stage. That's okay. probably the way I was. And also, you know, I knew it was a real big buck, um, but I don't. I'm not sure I quite knew quite how big at that stage. So that maybe that helped a little bit. Okay. All right. So cool. you got your stuff. You're in your truck. You're driving back to the to the farm. Yeah, so so yeah, I, I get right back at the trail, and again, this is a you know this is a spot where the truck is only 300 yards from the stand. Um, so I, I get back to the the shot, and and you know, and I see this one big footprint in the mud going up the going up the creek bank. So I kind of have an idea, and I, and I saw that direction of travel, and and so you know, I'm I'm looking for some blood or hair or something, you know, because I always want to have that evidence you know even though i saw it i want to have some physical evidence that hey you know yeah you actually have an arrow in this thing it's bleeding um and i kind of always look for that first and i wasn't able to find anything i mean nothing um i uh i walked along the edge of the creek where i saw him last go walking or running for quite a ways and couldn't find anything and i'm you know careful and backtracking and everything then I start doing the whole semicircle things, and and I'm just not picking anything up, and I'm I'm starting to really kind of discourage, get discouraged, and kind of doubt myself. And but I just kept saying, you know, hey, you saw the arrow hit, you know, he was close, you know enough about deer that you know that was a good shot, so just kind of stick with it. Um, and the way the situation was is uh, I had to be to work at uh, six in the morning the next day. So and it's a new job and things, and I, I didn't really want a whole wait overnight and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really want to get any help. I wanted to get it done, get the thing hung in the garage, and get to bed, you know. So, so yeah, so then I just keep looking and looking. And, and so I think it was probably about 10 o'clock or so, you know, and, you know, getting pretty late. And I just said, okay, I'm just going to – let's look for a deer trail, Um in a in a likely direction and and uh and I found a pretty heavy deer trail going through a kind of a thicket and I followed that for a while kind of carefully and, and then I, you know finally found a drop of blood um and then from that point you know I had a I had a great blood trail you know there's no problem whatsoever I mean it was probably only another 20 30 yards and there he was piled right up and uh man I tell you when I got to that buck it was the adrenaline overload, the emotions, <laughs> just everything. Just there, it was. I just, I kind of, yeah, it, that's where it was. You know, I think the tracking job, in you know, finally finding it, um, you know, kind of eclipses even the size of the buck and everything. But it's all part of it. You know, I just kind of dropped down to the oak leaves and just kind of said, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it." Um, and and man, it was such a. I mean, the mass 
on the antlers. I don't think really, to me, I don't really see it when I look at those pictures, but when I, when I hold the rack uh, in my hands, it's just like the mass is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just an eight point, you know, it's, and according to the taxidermist, it's a four and a half year old deer. Um, I weighed him in the garage at 195 pounds. Um, Was that with the guts out or the gut still in? Yeah. With the guts out. Yeah. Guts out. Okay. Um, Yeah. So it's a whole heck of a bigger deer than what I'm used to dealing with, you know, so. Well, I tell you. I get down there and I finally. I look, I'm looking at these, I'm looking at these pictures and uh, he looks like he's he's fairly long, like a not necessarily a big, bulky, short, stocky deer. He looks long. You know, that's kind of what I thought. And when I hung him in the garage with my scale and my um, uh, pulley system, I he was still had an antler hanging on the floor as, as high as I could hoist him. So he was, yeah, he was a long, long-bodied deer. I thought too. How tall are you? Um, his neck was just. Me, I'm about five nine. Okay, all right. So, yeah, that that's a long deer. Yeah, yeah. He was in, and so, so I get this, I get this buck gutted out, and you know, and by the time I get him gutted and all that kind of stuff, it's, uh, you know, it's starting to get close to midnight, and you know, I have an uncle who lives right next door, and, and he's got gators and tractors and quads and all kinds of things. I could have called it. And I think my phone died at that point, but. I could have went and got him real quick, and, and we could have got right to this buck um, and made a pretty quick uh, exit out of the property. But it was one of those things where, you know, no, I'm just going to get it done. You know, I'm not that far from the truck at this point, maybe 300 yards or so. But I got across this creek, and uh, I, I've I've used this little strap with a rope to drag deer for years and years and never had a problem. Well, I put that thing on this buck, and I could not budge him. So I had to scratch that plan, and the only way I could budge this thing was just grabbing onto both horns and just walking backwards. You know, I could go 20 yards at a time probably, get a quick blow, uh, do it again. (laughs) So, and then I get to the creek, and I get him down in the creek bottom and trying to get him up the creek bank. You know, I had to... I can't remember exactly what I did. Somehow I wedged him on some deadfalls. And anyway, finally, I finally dragged this thing all the way to the truck. And then you know what it's like trying to load a big buck into the back of a pickup bed by yourself. Um, eventually, get the thing back into the into the truck and get him back in, hanging in the garage. And three in the morning or so, get a couple hours of sleep and go to work. You know, so it was a long night, but you know, it was it was something else. Well. It's worth it. You, I mean, you shot the biggest buck of your life. You're going to have a pretty sweet story about how it took you from what would you say you shot him at about 7 p.m. Uh, and yeah. you, you didn't get him. You didn't get uh, him back to the house until like three o'clock in the morning. You got up, I'm right. sure. And the best part about it is, I'm sure you woke up. You, you know, you took your, took a quick shower before you went to bed and then you just, you, on your way to work, you walked by your buck and you looked at him and you're like, Hey, it's going to be a good day no matter what. Yeah, that's right. You know, really. And that that was kind of the thing is I I was dragging him out. It was like, you know, this, you know, like I say, I'm getting older. It's going to, it's probably 
when I'm sitting in that rocking chair as an old geezer, I don't really want to say that I had to go get the gator to, to go pick this deer <laughs> up. I want to say, you know, I drug that son of a bitch out and threw him in the truck and, you know, hoisted him. <laughs> You're going to be telling your grandkids, you know? yeah, I, I threw him right over top of my shoulders and I walked him yeah, out probably, on my back. probably, by that time, yeah. <laughs> but you, you but were... yeah, it, it was quite a memorable thing. Um you know, and kind of a, another, you know, kind of like a side story as uh, almost 20 years ago to the day, um, I killed my first buck, uh, a pretty nice eight pointer, um, not far from that exact same spot. And, uh, and I had my, my grandpa and my uncle help me find that one. And that was another one where it took us until midnight or something to find him. And that was the same thing. It was, uh, you know, we finally got him back hanging in the garage, and I had to work early the next day and everything. But, you know, you're just beaming with pride, you know, um, after something like that. You know, it's just uh, it's hard to explain. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to explain, but I think a lot of the people out there listening know what you're talking about. So Yeah, yeah, I think so. Did you ever put tape to his horns to see what he ended up scoring? I did on my own, and um, I taped him at like 131. 131 as an eight-pointer, man. That mass is ridiculous. That's that's a stud. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, every time I grabbed a hold of those horns as I was dragging them, like this is one hell of a deer. Yeah. <laughs> so. I love how I love on the main beams. It's rough almost all the way to the curve. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, kind of a lot of little gnarly. Yeah. You know, there was some, uh, he'd been rubbing quite a bit, and uh, there's a lot of woody stuff stuck in there, too. Well, that's uh, that's one hell of a story. Are you looking forward to this year already? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm i hoping to uh, do some kind of out west stuff, hoping to do some Colorado elk hunting or mule deer hunting, something like that, kind of getting through those plans like a lot of us are right now. But definitely, I mean, I just feel blessed beyond belief to have a have a chance to hunt whitetails every year on uh, property that just means more than you could describe. Uh, that family property, um, I can remember shooting my first squirrel with my with my grandpa, you know, right on that same property. Those kinds of things. So, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. Uh, definitely, that that whitetail hunting um, kind of drives me, and that's that's really number one. Sounds good. Well, I tell you what, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate uh, taking time out of your day to do this. All right, Dan. You know, I really appreciate listening to the podcast. Uh, like I was telling you before we started, uh, they helped me get through my commute, and uh, particularly these 100 profiles I think are really entertaining. So hopefully I uh, can uh, do my part to uh, entertain some other poor schlub on his way <laughs> to his 9-to-5. Uh, and there you have it, another Hunter Profile podcast in the books. Hopefully you guys found that enjoyable. I sure did. And uh, not much to say on the closing of this podcast today. Make sure you guys are going to iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, make sure you go to iTunes and uh, leave a review for me. I love those. Love seeing those five-star reviews. Um, also, Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter. I'm pretty much in the main social media arena whatever that means. But anyway, I want everybody to have a great weekend. Um, I don't think we're supposed to get snow in the Midwest. I don't know about any of the other uh, states further east or west. 
Anyway, if you can, get out, find some sheds, uh, email me pictures. I'll post them online, and uh, we'll go from there. So, as always, thanks for listening, and wear your damn safety harness.